2: coming up on episode 218 of wheel bearings the india autonomous challenge tesla adopting iron batteries first drives of the rivian r1t the jeep wagoneer kia carnival and subaru forester wilderness all that and more coming up next did you know you can support wheel bearings directly head to patreon.com/wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com/wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 218 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Aboual-Samit from Guidehouse Insights,
3: and I am Nicole Wakelin from Out of Vital.
2: and I am Roberto
4: Baldwin from Lifewire. Excellent, that's a new one. Is this? Have you? Yeah, I do a. I do a week. Uh... Yeah, I do a weekly EV column for them. So every week, uh, usually on Friday, sometimes on Monday because sometimes things happen, um, I write a column for them. So it's it's a, I, I talk about how I, I want there to be um, uh, those EV charging stations like they have in Europe at, the, at, uh, at parking spaces along the oh, street yeah, where I it's saw just a, a tower. Day. And you plug it in and plug it in. Yeah, and you bring your own cable. Um, I talk about how we, we, we uh, leased our vehicle instead of bought – we leased our EV instead of bought an EV and how, you know, because battery technology will advance and, you know, battery degradation, which probably won't be that big of an issue since we're pretty good. You know, we only charge up to 80 percent and, you know, we – I think we've – DC fast charged it like once – no, twice, maybe three times. I think the third time my wife went and she's like, ah, to hell with it and left. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think we're going to have a lot of battery degradation, but, you know, we still do it just in case we, you know, some sort of lifestyle change, which in the next three years, that
2: involves us driving further than, you know, the 258 <laughs> miles the car has. Yeah, I mean, that, for most people, that's pretty rare to actually drive much farther than that. Um, but, uh, so yeah. who wants to go first today? I
4: I'll go, to go first. I'll go first just because you, you, you both have already driven this car.
3: We have,
4: yeah. yeah. so I'm like, I'm the, I'm the last, the last person to get into the Kina, the Kina. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I haven't driven that. <laughs> the Kia
4: the, the Kia Carnival. It's the new EV brand from uh, Korea. It, the Kina, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Kia Carnival. You have to say it like that, like you, you know, Carnival. 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 It you sounds can say carnival. more
3: exciting than Carnival. Like carnival. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, when you carnival. look at
4: it, yeah, when you look at it, it's a Carnival, <laughs> because. Um, I you know. I think we've all talked about how, how nice it is. You know, Kia's, Kia and Hyundai have really sort of stepped up their interior and their exterior design game, and you know, they, their cars are they're just they're really nice. They're you know for the money. Um, this thing starts at what? Thirty uh, two. D- 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 thirty two one hundred before you know. I don't know what the destination fee. I'm sure it's. Hold on. I can. You know what? I can just look you, it up. you talk, I'll you look go. it up. You talk, I'll look it up. Okay. So yeah. So let's say thirty. Let's just say $3, thirty-three hundred dollars, thirty-three thousand dollars, for a minivan that looks like an SUV. It does. Um, it, does. it looks like an SUV. It looks it really nice. Does. You get inside. It's very. And of course, they gave me the prestige version, which uh, it's you know they're charged forty-seven thousand dollars for this thing. So Is that you know, the,
3: one, the prestige has the captain's chairs, right? Does yeah, it the, the captain's
4: chairs, off? and it has like the the rear seat, um, uh, the the second row. Uh, displays, You can watch things in case you haven't bought an iPad in the last 10 years. Um, so you can get rid of a lot of that. You know, a lot of that sort of like second row, like here's a, here's a screen, right? But I can just use this screen and then I can watch movies and I can play my games. Um, but no, it, it's really nice. It drives really well. It looks like an SUV, which I think that's, the, that's sort of the biggest black eye for, for minivans is that they look like minivans and people, for some reason, don't like minivans.
3: Well, what? You, are you telling me you think minivans are attractive, generally speaking? Do you like how minivans look? I mean, if they you're look, like, wow, look at that kick-butt minivan. Well,
4: I like the, the the Odyssey. I think they look like little spaceships, if you really they, think about it, They look, they're look like little spaceships. I mean, Do you think most like, SUVs are attractive? Most SUVs look I like boxes. I think they're better than
3: an SUV. I mean, better than mm. a, SUVs are better than minivans. I don't
2: think Minivans that's true. always look
3: see I see bloated whale when I look at the average. Yeah. Like, well, you're, like they're just so, just so you're, big you're thinking and of low and like the old
2: and, um, Ford Windstar. I mean, that was a bloated whale. Windstar.
3: They uh, but many of them still look like a bloated whale
2: to <laughs> me. When when we you know, I I back in the day, I actually worked on the ABS mm-hmm. for the Windstar. And you know yes. when the first prototypes of that came out, and we found out that what they were going to call it the Windstar, we all started referring to it as the Windbag, because of <laughs> the wind because it looks
3: like
4: it looks like it looks bloated. Um, and I, I mean, most SUVs look. I mean, it's sad. They all look sort of the same. At least within the minivan world, there there's just a little bit of difference uh, when it comes to design. Um, I I. I I can't tell you how many times I've had an uh, SUV and I've gone out to the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, which of these gray or white vehicles is mine? <sighs> so, yeah. um, you know, they, they, they mostly stick out. I mean, the, the Carnival, like, sort of starts looking like, starts kind of starts, like, edging into that looking like every other vehicle on the road, which apparently people like. Um, so everyone wants the SUV look. They don't want the minivan look, which, fine. Um But you get all the the accoutrements of the minivan, you get the automatic opening doors when you just push the button, you get, you know, it's sort of a, it's, I I just like minivans. You just, you you can just do more of the things that people want to do with an SUV in a minivan, except for the off-roading thing, which no one does. If you're going to do off-roading, get a Wrangler, get a, get a Bronco, get a, you know, get a Land Rover, that's the, you know, or Defender. Um, those are the like, yeah, I'm going off-roading, and those even those mostly don't go off-road. But if you, everything else you want to do in life with your vehicle, and you <laughs> you think you need a big vehicle, it, it will be taken care of by a minivan. Everything and, else? Like, oh, every, but, you have so much more, more room. Oh yeah. But, but, I, I, by the I, way, I,
2: I'm sure there's the Carnival is not a minivan; it's an MPV. Come on, let's skip. It's with like the oh, it's Mazda multi,
3: Five. What is it? Multi-purpose vehicle? Is that what it yeah. is? Yes. Multi-purpose vehicle? Because they had
4: the that was it. The Mazda Five was their MPV.
2: Uh, yeah. It well, actually, a, like I mean, back minivan. before the Mazda Five, there was they actually had a Mazda MPV, which was the actual yeah, M- name of MPV. it. MPV. Yeah. My friends have an MPV, and they
4: gave it to their son, and it look. It's just a tiny minivan. It's, yeah. And it's great, <laughs> and it doesn't look like a minivan. It's just
3: a wee little minivan. It's just
4: like a, It's like a three-quarter size minivan. And it, like, has the sliding doors, and I, I, I'm always telling my, – my wife's friends like, oh, I'm about to have a kid. I'm like, you should get a minivan. Oh, I don't know. I'm like, here's the scenario I always show them. You have your kid in one hand. You have your kid's bag in the other, and now you have to unlock – now you have to open the car door and get your kid into the seat. You can either just – have your keys in your hand and just, like, hold down a button, and then the door opens, and you can just unload everything into the car. Or you can stop in front of your car, put the thing down, open the door, hope you're not cl- parked too close to the car next to you, slide around, put your kid down, s- cinch them all up. <laughs> you're hitting cinch the car next all. I don't know what you do with
2: children. You cinch them down, right?
3: Just strap them down It's a couple of, like, you know, like some bungees. bungee cords, a
2: couple well, of, yeah. No, actually, you you just have, you know, you have uh, Velcro onesies for your kids and just put Velcro yeah, you on just, your seat and you just <laughs> strap it right they in. Just you know.
3: stick. They yeah, just stick. Yeah,
4: exactly. Just slap them into the car, <laughs> throw the thing into the car. You have more room for more random children or friends. You always have that big, giant, like, bathtub, essentially, in the back where you can throw things in. And you can cover it up in case you're concerned. And it looks like it's floor level. Um, if you get like a, the, the, you know, you can get store and go if you get the Chrysler Pacifica. Um, yeah. So the one Stow I have. Stow and it's, go. Stow and go. So
3: you it looks, called it store and go. You've oh, just sorry. invented. Store it's someone else's trademark. That's a whole different product, go. I'm sure. Ford can,
4: Ford can have store and go. Um, <laughs> anyway, my, my, I picked up a friend of mine. We were, uh, who's a musician. And we were going to, to band practice. And he's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Oh, it's the Kia Carnival. It's a because mini- he opened like he, I pulled up, and then the door slid open. He's like, "What?" <laughs> because he expected a minivan. He saw an SUV that turned into a minivan, like a transformer. And he's like, "Oh, this would be a great band vehicle."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so much you know, if, room for activity. If you, if you
2: can't yeah. afford if the can't the, the Carnival uh, for a band <laughs> vehicle. The next best choice is actually probably the Ford Flex. Get a used Ford Flex. Because, you know, it's basically the same form form factor minus the sliding doors.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of like weird little... I like the Ford Flex. Again, because you could just put so many things. So much room for activities. If you're going to get something that you say, well, I need all this room, well, then get something that properly will give you all the room. Yeah. Don't get like... Yeah. That's fair. but but you don't have much of a choice at this point if you want a car. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you want a car? Uh, yeah, we don't make those anymore. Here's, a, here's an SUV. <laughs> My or brother-in-law, I mean,
3: his car, is he's having troubles with his car because it's got too many miles, and it just he's not nice enough to it. And he's like dumping all this cash into it. And I'm like, why don't you just get a new car? Because like, I can't even find a new car. And the new cars I want are actually out there right now. He's Aww. like, I have to buy the base model. Bleh. Or it's like, here's the one with $40,000 of options. He's like, I don't want Aww. either of those. I want the ones in the middle.
4: Yeah, yeah. because yeah, that sucks. Yeah, buying a car now is just the worst.
3: He just spent almost three thousand dollars to fix up his twenty eleven Charger with one hundred and forty five thousand miles on it. I cringed a lot. I was like, "Really, John? Okay."
4: (sighs) That's a that's a that's another lease car you should. I'm to tell get that puppy on lease.
2: When, yeah. when I was walking my dog this morning, I ran into my next door neighbor. She was out walking her dog. And she's got, excuse me, she's got, uh, uh, I, think a, I think it's like a 2005 or four Chrysler PT Cruiser. And she was, you know, it's, <laughs> there, there's actually um, a surprising sorry, number of PT I try Cruisers I tried not to do a spit here. take. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes she, sense. No, it makes sense. I mean, she mostly uses it to take her dogs to the dog park which is like 3 miles away you know and or to go grocery shopping you know she doesn't really go anywhere she's a she's a lawyer that works from home from her home office and doesn't really go okay. many places and she's you know she's saying that you know the the big thing is it's that's to haul the dogs around and mm-hmm. she's you know she said you know it's getting to the point where it's got some things that she's going to have to spend some money on that she'd rather not and I can certainly sympathize with that, with a, an old PT Cruiser. Uh, and, you know, she's looking for another used car and looking for suggestions. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it right at the time. But uh, when I talk to her later, I'll, I'll tell her, you know, what she should get is an old Nissan Leaf, a, a used Nissan Leaf. You know, because you can't, there's, there's, oh, right. there's not a whole lot of selection of new or used cars out there right now. But, you know, for that kind of application, that's, that's probably her best choice.
4: But, uh, yeah so, yeah, so she she essentially has the Jaguar. She has the X-Type in my life,
2: which is uh, you actually have a car that's not. She used to have an X-Type. It's just
3: the, the uh, <laughs> she, oh, my God. She, oh, God bless her. She, go. she,
2: she, she had told me this story before, and she was telling me again this morning. Yeah, you know, she had back in the, the early 2000s. She the, her favorite car that she ever had was the X-Type. She bought it a year old from a guy, it was, it was a surgeon. And um, his, he bought it for his partner, and he didn't like the color. And after a year of complaining about the color, he finally said, "Fine, I'm gonna get rid of this thing." And he sold it to her for a song, and she loved that car and drove it for several years. Oh. Uh, you know, when it, I mean, it was still relatively new at that point, not like like yours, uh, but you know, she she loved mm-hmm. that car. She she also told me once um, she actually, back in the um, late '80s. She owned an Ur Quattro, a first generation Audi Quattro. So, you know, she's she's wow. had some interesting cars over the years.
4: I like okay. your neighbor. I don't like the
2: PT Cruiser because
4: I was, like your neighbor. <laughs> because I like people who just buy like just have weird things. Um I I I I remember when the PT Cruiser came out and me and my friend uh my friend uh shoots video and he had to go do a video shoot in LA. We lived in San Francisco at the time. He's like, "I'm not feeling well. Would you go with me in case we get there?" And I can't shoot. You can shoot, and I can just sort of like supervise from you know the toilet. Um, so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I got us a PT Cruiser. We're gonna get. We got. A, we got a rental car because his wife needed his car. Um, I'm like, Oh, this is awesome, we're gonna drive the PT Cruiser, it's gonna be so great. Thirty minutes into that car I wanted to like drive it into a ditch and light <laughs> it on fire. It's just it's uncomfortable. You can't see out the back seats. It could you don't it doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a car? I'm, is it an SUV? I've never
3: driven one, so all I know is from, from <clears throat> everybody saying that it was the most miserable experience of their lives. It's yeah, it's it's but
4: but if you need a car to like that's, that's inexpensive and it's on its last leg and you just need to take the dog to the park,
2: I am, yeah, throw, get a PT Cruiser. Yeah, you're not three that. miles. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? She's <laughs> got two PT big Cruiser. dogs. They fit perfectly in the back seat. Right. <clears throat> yeah,
4: see? There you go. Get the PTs like you're living in the 40s. I don't know what they were doing, <laughs> going for.
3: what was that whole, 30s. like, we're going to make all the old cars. The prowler. Like, yeah, we're going to do all this. Yeah. T- we don't have to. <laughs> it's cool make them look cool but can you actually make them drive cool too can we have some actual performance Actually, in those, spe- maybe speaking of
2: know. the prowler i just saw earlier this week somebody posted uh, pictures of a prowler that somebody had installed a hellcat crate engine into so they finally made it what it should have been all
4: oh about. My gosh. okay
2: wow Such there's a there's
4: a prowler around my uh, somewhere around here i've seen it like tw- two or three times it's in good shape i'm like well more power to you for buying that i mean it looks it's different no one else has it <clears throat> throw a throw a you know i think everything what's the answer to everything ls swap yeah but. yeah
2: pretty much <laughs>
4: <laughs> what's your answer
2: to the fix it? i don't know ls swap i guess <clears throat> all right uh is that it for the carnival the carnival i should say yeah,
3: the carnival. We talk, talked about the carnival, right. the carnival thirty seconds. Carnival. Carnival. I know. Yeah, for about thirty seconds, and kind of went on a tangent. But yeah,
2: <laughs> there's. I just dropped the. I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. But I just dropped the Hellcat powered Prowler into the uh, into the slide.
3: <laughs> oh, I want to see it now.
2: What? Okay. Yeah. See, that's that's legit. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> why not? All right. Sure. Why wouldn't you do that? Nicole, what did you
4: drive?
3: Yes. Um, I went out to Oregon to drive the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Um, they also gave me a Mazda 6 to drive this week, but they gave me one of those to drive two months ago. So I'm not going to talk about it again because it hasn't changed in two months. So instead, <laughs> and it's also to so discontinued the Subaru so. Forester. And it's being discontinued. So I thought, you know, of the two vehicles, the Subaru perhaps might be more relevant. So... Um, so this is the new, the Wilderness, it's a trim, they have it on the Outback already, and now they're putting it on the Wilderness, and although, you know, Super's already got that sort of like, yeah, we're kind of the outdoorsy, we can go off-road a little bit, but we're not really like crazy off-road, this is taking it to like, well, we're a little crazier now, now we can do a little bit more. Um, so it's just a trim level within the lineup. Um, we drove it around, we took it off-road, and we genuinely took it off road. Like we really actually did drive it, which was kind of nice. Sometimes they say off road and they, they give you a road. You're like, I could take a Camry on this. Um, so this really doesn't count, but this one, they did a pretty good job. Um, it, it's, it's not like if you want to go rock crawling that you can do that in this, you can't. Um, it's more if you want to have a little extra clearance so that you can handle things. Uh, I think it's, 9.2 inches of ground clearance on this one. And I want to say 7 point something, 7.6 on the standard Forester lineup. So you get about a couple of inches of extra ground clearance and they do it. as like longer coil springs and the shock absorbers and the suspension is different to give you that extra height. And they've especially tuned it to be a little bit more off-roady, but to still be pretty smooth on the highway. Um, it gets a skid plate up front so that you can you know, smack into a few things and and it will survive. Um, and the there's larger cladding on the wheel arches, so you're less likely. It's like you're less likely to smash the metal if you have like a tree or something that's too close by and it stabs your car. Um, it also has the seating is different. It has this water resistant seating surface. It had a, a name, and I can't remember what it was. It was like a brand name, um, which is kind of cool that it doesn't look like this weird vinyl sometimes the water resistant stuff you're like I don't want to sit on that all the time like it's just kind of crummy looking this actually was pretty nice and it has all sorts of nice little Forester wilderness logos there's badges on the outside there's even a little logo that's always like on your instrument cluster that you see um so it's your slightly more capable version of your Forester, just like there's a slightly more capable version of the Outback. And the impression I get is they're going to roll this out, continue to do this sort of wilderness trim, like almost like a sub brand, like you have the Denali for the GMC, like it's it's their own little sub brand, uh, doesn't change anything else. So you still have the 2.5 liter four cylinder, 182 horsepower, 176 pound feet of torque, Um, there's a CVT, Uh, it does a good job of moving it along, I mean it's fine, Um, it's not a win any races kind of vehicle, but that's probably not why you're buying a Subaru, Uh, the only time that it ever felt like uh, it was a little like not good I guess, is if you really aggressively accelerate, if you want to get some power because you want to pass and you smash that gas pedal down it's, it lets you know that it's working very, very hard and it doesn't appreciate it. Uh, it's, it gets very, very noisy. Uh, that's, but it still I don't does a- it.
4: I don't appreciate yeah. this. <laughs> it's
3: like, I don't appreciate you pushing that gas pedal all the way to the floor. Please stop now. Uh, so, but it also, and it gets good fuel economy. It gets drops a little bit in the wilderness. So the fuel economy for the regular version is of it is 29 combined. The fuel economy for the wilderness goes to 26. So you do take a little fuel economy hit with gas prices creeping ever higher by the second. Uh, that might be something to consider if you're looking at something that you're really going to be putting a lot of miles on it. It's got to cost you a little bit more than getting the rest of the Forester lineup. Otherwise it's, you know, it, it does kind of what you expect a Subaru to do. It feels rugged. It feels capable. It feels like your dog can run inside this thing with muddy paws and you're not going to have to worry about like having damaged all your fancy perforated leather trims and open pore woods. It doesn't have that kind of thing. So, um, and then it has, you get either a 6.5 inch screen or you get an eight inch screen is like their upgraded screen for infotainment. Um, it's just fine. Infotainment's fine. Uh, there was nothing. It, I I think it's a nice little added thing. You know, I actually had to write a story for Kelly blue book and they actually just had me run down because so many OEMs are doing it. It wasn't the best cars for off-roading, or the best—it was like here are what all the automakers are making right now. This is what they call their off-roady trim. These are their off-road packages, and whether or not they actually do anything to make a car more capable, or if they just make it look kind of butch—that
4: <laughs> butch it up, it,
3: yeah. And the thing was, when I started, there, like you know this. I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. Can you give me an idea of the number of words, just so I have an idea of how much. Into the weeds, you want me to get with each of these. They gave me a workout and I'm like, I've written like half of it. I'm like, yeah, guys, this workout needs to be much bigger, or you need to make this two stories because there are a lot more vehicles out there. And it was huge, the number yeah. of vehicles. And I'm like, my gosh, it's everything from like sedans that they've given, their little off road look to actual capable vehicles. Like, you know, the Raptor really is off road capable, you know. So, um, yeah, so Subaru's kind of getting in on that action with the wilderness. I liked it. I thought it was a good choice. Um, probably somewhere in here I have price wait scrolling through my giant thing so it starts the base price on the forester in general is 25195 195 when you get to the wilderness by the time you hit that you're at 32 820 so you've taken a pretty good chunk from a jump from the base trim up to the wilderness but you still have it's it's in the middle because the limited um oh, it's limited is a little less but the touring is 35 so two three four what is that math three thousand dollars more you get the very top trim of the Forester, which is the fanciest. So you're either paying for your fanciest trim at 35 or you're not quite as fancy, but a little bit more off-roady at 32.
4: And you know, the Ford, the Subaru lineup isn't fancy. So when you get in the top trim, you're just sort of like, "Eh, do you really want the top? You're getting in a Subaru, which as a fan of, as as an owner of of multiple Subarus, I'm like, "Mm, yes, they're not, they're not, they're not fancy cars.
3: Well, that's the thing. The, yeah. You're exactly right. You're not buying a Subaru because you're like, oh, really? I want the fancy. Well, then yeah. you're at the wrong dealership. Yeah. Like, walk down the street <laughs> to another one. If you're like, yeah. I want the, you know, reliable, rugged, all-wheel drive, I don't have to worry about throwing stuff in the car, whether it's the kids that you're Velcroing into the car seats yeah. or whether it's a dog or whether it's like muddy boots or shoes or whatever, that's why you get a Subaru. Yeah. You, you, um, and on that- you, You're
4: it, going it, skiing every weekend- and you're a like, a, you're, you're a proper skier, like the weekend and a nice like Audi and, a, or, you know, you're going like, I'm doing, I'm a, I'm a ski bum. I know, I right.
3: That's when you buy a Subaru.
4: I'm going to, I I ride a bicycle every weekend. I need something I can attach it to. And that's the super. The super is the thing you attach things to.
3: You attach, exactly. You attach. Oh, that was the other thing they did. that's was worth noting too. They beefed up the, and I can't find it exactly the roof rack on the, um, Wilderness can hold more weight. Like the static weight, I think, is 800 pounds. And I think that's a couple of hundred pounds more than the standard because they put these extra crossbars and stuff in. So the idea is you could put – they had a display where they had like a three-person pop-up tent. So instead of just being able to handle the weight of a two-person tent – it can handle the weight of a three-person tent.
2: Because Wait, you know so the thing you want to do when you've taken a car like the Subaru and raised it up, a a of up there is is add another eight hundred pounds on the roof to raise your center of gravity yeah. Yeah. exactly sixteen inches.
4: Oh, and well, no, it has the it,
2: boxer engine. The boxer engine lowers your center
4: of gravity. Oh, we okay. all know that. And <laughs>
3: it can, and this is important too. It can also tow more. So the standard tow rating, I believe, is fifteen hundred. Wilderness is three thousand. Okay. So. It doubles how much you can tow. So there's some perks. You can tow more, you can put more stuff on the roof that is now harder to reach, and you can bump into stuff because you have skid plates.
4: Cool. You know, Ah. it's 9.2 inches, and I just looked up uh, the G Wagon. The G Wagon uh, clearance is 9.5. See, That's so a it's lot. Of it. A so when of you car. really sort of like think about like when you put it in out in the sort of like, obviously it's not going to, it's not a G wagon. It doesn't have no. the capabilities and, and Subarus will more likely go off road than a G wagon. <laughs>
3: well, and they, yeah. you know, and they don't feel it like we don't expect you to go rock crawling in this. What we're yeah. trying to do is make it a little bit easier for you to get. If you're the outdoor adventure type and you're like, oh, that road's a little rough. I'm going to have to walk my stuff down there. Oh, I can't quite make this. They're going to make it a little easier. You know, you could handle, we, there's. We went through some sections where there's a fair degree of articulation. Like we had one tire, maybe three feet in the air and it's, it's fine. Like you, it, it is, it is capable and going downhill, they have the little X mode with that hill descent control. You can go down. We were on, it was like a loose gravel. So the kind of stuff that if your tires lock, you're just going to keep sliding down that sucker. Cause there's nothing to yeah. stop you. And the X mode thing and the little hill descent, it did a good job. So, um, yeah, it's, it is. It is surprisingly capable. Like I said, you're not rock crawling in this, but you can do probably more than you would in the average little SUV. Uh, I would, if I was a Subaru person, if I was in the market for this and I was someone who tended to go out there a little bit more, I'd totally spring for the wilderness in a heartbeat. Before the touring, I'd go with the wilderness.
2: Cool. Very cool. Yeah, actually, I think that, that uh, ground clearance is more than what you get in a Ford Bronco Sport, which I think is like 8.7 or 8.8 8 inches. So, you know, and that's Damn. nominally an off-road, you know, rugged vehicle. So, right? you know, you're, you're, yeah, getting, I, you're getting quite I a bit this. I feel like this.
3: This, is, this is the kind of thing you're less likely to, even if you're not thinking, well, I'm going to do something on purpose a little bit more rugged than I would have if I didn't have this one – you're less likely to get yourself into the situation where it's like, I totally got this. Oh, crud. No, I don't. As you bottom out on something, you know, that little bit of extra ground clearance is going to make, it's going to make a difference. I was, I, we had the, the course that we had, had, you were going up and down some pretty decent Hills with, you know, some packed dirt that sort of had rocks sticking out of it. The kind of thing you just kind of have to pay attention to a little bit. Um, And I was taking it pretty fast and it was really well, it was fine. It was well-mannered. It was easy to steer. And on dirt, the thing was absolutely phenomenal going high, like really going perhaps a little bit speedier than maybe it was prudent, but it was really, really fun. Um, and it, it it definitely felt like, like okay I would take this I would take this off road I would genuinely because sometimes they tell you you can take a vehicle off road and once you drive it you're like yeah no I would never really seriously I would seriously take this one on an off road adventure.
4: But they have that really nice uh, um, all wheel drive system where if one tire slips it move it, the the tram- mechanically the machine the it moves it to the the power to the other to the other wheels yeah. which I really and liked I- when I used to go snowboarding in my my uh, WRX which was. I'm a lot of to, snow and you're like, Oh, one tire slip and Nope. Everyone else has got it. It's cool. It's yeah, cool. It's and
3: cool. that's and I on purpose. There was a section of, um, just dirt that was very wide. I mean, it's like three car lengths wide, let's say in this one little spot, very wide. There's no one there. And I, on purpose pushed a little hard. I'm like, I want to see if I can get it to break loose a little bit. And as soon as you do, it's like nope, and it like puts you right back in. So it 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 when it loses that traction, it takes like a heartbeat, and it's like no, I got you, girl. This is fine. I'm gonna send it all to the other tires. We're good here.
4: <laughs> I like that there would be a little little uh a little pop up. This is I got you, girl.
3: That's what it should say. <laughs> I
4: got you, girl. I got you, girl.
2: <laughs> we good. All right. Um This week I have had um the 2022 Jeep Wagoneer Series Two. So this is currently sort of the closest you can get to a base Wagoneer um, until sometime next year they're going to launch a Series 1. So this isn't the Grand Wagoneer, which is the really, really fancy one. It's just the kind of pretty fancy one. Um, and it's the, the, the cheapest <laughs> of they, They've both the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer are going to be available in Series 1, Series 2, Series 3 trims. This is the mid-level of the, the standard Wagoneer, and it's the four-wheel drive. Um, and you know, with the launch of the Wagoneer, you know, Jeep is clearly going even more up market than they already have been over the last decade. Um, the rear wheel drive series two, which I don't think you can actually, I don't think they're actually building yet. I don't think they're going to start building those till after the first of the year. Uh, but the rear wheel drive series two Wagoneer starts at $69,440. The four wheel drive is, starts at $72,440. Um, this this Ooh. is a big SUV. Ouch. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not the biggest you can get. Uh, square square footage
4: is what you're getting. You're paying I for like a really nice lots apartment. Lots and lots
2: of square. This is this is the McMansion <clears throat> of SUVs. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, uh, they slot in in between the standard length uh, Expedition Navigator uh tahoe yukon uh, escalade and the long wheelbase versions of those you know the suburban the yukon xl the the escalade xl etc so it's about four inches longer than the standard length versions of the the full-size suvs from ford and gm and about i think about six inches shorter than the long wheelbase version um, and it's wide, and it feels it feels very wide. You know, it feels like a, It's wide. <laughs> it, I think I talked about this back in the summer when uh, did the first drive in New York. You know, which was a very strange venue for driving something like this. Driving out of Manhattan, uh, out to out into yeah, New was. Jersey and up to White Plains, and then back again. You know, when when we were driving back into Manhattan, uh, at that time coming in from the the north along the Henry Hudson Parkway. You know, the Hudson Parkway. It's like three lanes in each direction. There's almost no shoulders on either side. You know, if you're in the left lane, uh, you're right up against a a concrete Jersey barrier. And then of course you've got lots of traffic on the adjacent lanes to your right. And so you're always hyper aware of how wide this thing feels in the lane. You know, it it fits in a lane, but it doesn't leave a whole lot of extra space, um,
3: it doesn't feel like it fits in the lane, like you know it's fitting because other cars aren't driving into you. But behind <laughs> the wheel, you're like, I
2: can really.
3: possibly be fitting right here.
2: It, not really. It, <laughs> it, it feels you. It feels like you're filling the lane with this thing. Um, so it I, does. I never feel entirely comfortable driving this thing. Uh, from from that perspective, you're getting your course. tax money's worth of that lane. You're
4: getting all the oh, taxes absolutely. you pay into yes. that lane. You're using you're, ever, you're this getting your. This is you make.
2: You, yeah. you suddenly
3: you, you don't feel bad paying for that highway budget. You're like, I am taking advantage of every ounce of the pavement I help pay for. And
2: trust me, you will be paying for that highway budget with this thing. Um, it's the, the Wagoneer, so the, the Grand Wagoneer comes with a, a 6.2 liter or 6.4 liter Hemi. The standard wagoneer comes with a 5.7 liter Hemi with the e torque system. That's that's their 48 volt mild hybrid system. Um, it's EPA rated. At 17 miles combined, 15 city, 20 highway. <laughs> uh, I drove to Indianapolis and back yesterday, which is about a 600-mile round trip. Um, you know, so pretty much entirely highway driving. It averaged 17.3 on, on that trip.
3: Also, so it beat their estimate,
2: their Jeep? <laughs> uh, well, it beat the combined estimate. The highway estimate is 20. So oh. it fell a couple of oh. miles per gallon short of the highway.
3: End. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and you, did you, I'm assuming you probably had like cruise control or something. Yeah, on. I, for, I put it on cruise control, you know, adaptive cruise control. And, you know, it was, you know, I wasn't driving significantly over any posted speed limits. You know, I wasn't going hundred was miles like, an hour. I was driving was with the of traffic. Drive. You know, so you yeah. know, five, 10 yeah. miles. Okay, oof. so fair. Um, that's so, right. that's a, You know, oof, it's, it is it, it is a thirsty beast, you know. I stopped on the way back to fill it up. Uh it cost $82 to fill it up. Uh, you know, and that's Ow, 24 that gallons. 24 gallons of gas. God. Uh and that's that's with regular. You know, if, if you're putting in premium, if you decide to put in premium, you're you're really going to be paying. So What does it rec- this, does
3: it recommend premium on that or does it uh, recommend regular?
2: Um, I think it actually recommends mid grade. I
3: put you on the spot.
2: Yeah, I think I think mid-grade? it recommends okay. mid grade. All right, um, uh, okay. but I didn't see that on the, the the car when I was filling it up last night. I you know I opened it up, but I didn't see anything there specified. At any rate, um, you know, aside from the the sheer size and um, its thirst for fuel. Um, this is actually a really nice vehicle. I mean, if, if you're going to take a long road trip and if you're going to drive cross-country or something, um, aside from how much it's going to cost you to drive cross-country, uh, you know, it's actually a really nice drive for a long, uh, long trip. Uh, you know, I said it's about four hours from, from here to, to Indy. And, uh, you know, it was very, very comfortable. It's a very smooth ride. Uh, the one I had was equipped with the optional... Um, convenience, the convenience group, the $4,000 convenience group, which includes things like heads up display, uh, heated second row seats, uh, the quadrilift air suspension. So with the air suspension, you know, it, it is very, very comfortable and it raises and lowers the vehicle. So when you put it into an off-road mode, uh, it'll lift it up and give you extra ground clearance. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what the ground clearance is. When you get out, it'll lower it down so it's easier to get in and out of. So that's all really nice to have. It's got traffic sign recognition, manual window shades in the back, things like that. So all all the all the good stuff you would expect at a seventy thousand dollars plus price point. Um, The uh, you know the infotainment system in here it's the the new UConnect Five, which is an Android automotive based infotainment system. But unlike the Polestar and Volvo that we've talked about before. Uh, Stellantis has opted not to use Google Automotive Services, so you don't get the Google apps, you don't get Google Maps. It uses TomTom uh, Tom, uh, for maps, uses uh, Amazon Alexa voice services for voice control, which actually works quite well. Uh, I was impressed. You know, I tried, uh, you know, doing some some voice commands, uh, you know, to raise and lower the temperature. You know, if you say, you know. Hey, Miss A, you know uh, I'm cold. You know it'll raise the temperature a couple of degrees, uh, or you know do the reverse as well. It, it did a good job with recognizing uh, inputs for navigation, things like that. Uh, there are some apps you can download for uh, things like Domino's and I think uh, a couple of different gas station chains, things like that. Uh, so, and it's a it's a very nice, responsive system. The screen is is great. Uh, you know it. Uh, you know, it, it's got it's bright, nice and bright and uh, has good contrast, so it's easy to read. The interface is good, so no issues there. Uh, you know, the interior of this thing, you know, feels like a seventy to eighty thousand dollar vehicle. Very nice materials, nice leather, real wood uh, trim. Uh, I'm personally, I prefer open pore. Uh, wood trims, if you're going to use that, as opposed to the glossy wood that this one had, and you can get that. That those are those are options you know, on the various Wagoneer trim levels, um, but that's that's just a personal preference. You know, customer can choose what they want. Uh, so you know, for a a big three row full size SUV, you know, this thing's got lots of hauling capability for people, for stuff, for trailers, um, and you know, it, it goes, you know, it's, it's surprisingly quick, you know, for a three ton SUV. Um, not, not as quick as, you know, like a Hummer or a Rivian, but it's not electric yet. So, uh, it's, it's based on a heavily modified version of the Ram 1500 platform, uh, because it's got independent rear suspension. Uh, I think the front suspension is largely similar to the, the Ram Pick up, uh, so it's a body-on-frame like the big Ford and GM uh, utilities. Uh, this one did not have the rear seat entertainment or the optional passenger side screen, which you can get. The passenger side screen is, I think, about uh, twelve hundred dollars if you want that. Uh, so the front front passenger gets their own screen that has a filter on it, so the driver can't really see it. Uh, but it did have the premium group that uh, adds the uh, the the three pane glass sunroof um, all season uh, 285 22 inch uh, all-season tires uh, things like that uh, aluminum wheels so very you know it it feels like a very premium vehicle and I think it'll be a strong competitor to the likes of the escalade and and the the Yukon Denali and and the uh, uh, the navigator uh, in that uh, in those segments um, and as long as you're you are You know, willing, you know, are able to handle a a vehicle that large. It's it's a it's not a bad choice. The uh, total bottom line price on the one that I've got in the driveway right now came to eighty thousand eight hundred and thirty five dollars, including delivery. And I believe that's a two thousand dollar delivery charge on that. Uh, So, you know, Stellantis is really you know taking the lead on uh, on ramping up the delivery charges. Um, You know, not not cheap. But if you're looking for something like this, it's, you know, it's worth a look. Uh, you, know, you can also get something, you know, in a similar size to this for a lot less uh, from Ford or GM. I don't know what the pricing is going to be on the Series 1 yet when it comes out. They haven't, I don't think they've announced that. I think I think you'll be able to get a rear-wheel drive Series 1 closer to the, the low 60s. Um, so it's, it's going to be somewhat more affordable. Um, but uh, it's, you know. What what do you guys think of the design of the Wagoneer?
3: I like how it looks. I mean, it's like the exterior design. It's huge. I mean, it does feel like this giant beast of a car, but I think, I think that's who they're trying to I don't think they're trying to be delicate or understated or reserved or modest in any way, shape, or form. I think it sort of fits with what the sort of the aesthetic of that vehicle is and i do like how it looks i'm i'm totally cool with how it looks on the outside i like the inside too though i think it looks the interiors on this uh, on this because and i'm gonna mix it because we had the wagoneer and we had the grand wagoneer last time i drove them i'll be seeing them again on tuesday because i think they're bringing some here um but i just the interiors just are gorgeous they're beautiful like the design and the look of the interiors I know you know the open pour wood thing aside they do such a good job of creating a feel inside those cars the design of the interiors with the materials and the colors and the trims and when they have you know they have this one Was it called blue agave Blue. Yeah. I, I may have messed it up, but it was that and like blue. You're like, what is it? 1982? No, this blue is absolutely. <laughs> it's stunning, and it's this lighter blue, and there's little bits of tan trims. They make an incredible interior. Like they, they knock it out of the park. So I liked how it looked. I had no problems at all with how it looked.
4: Yeah, um, you know the front is is very much Wagoneer. I, it's funny because I put my hand up to the screen, and if you cover up the front, it's just it's just any other like the, going back to the SUVs look. All SUVs sort of look the same. If you and, and if the one I have is the front white, of the car, so that
2: makes it even worse in that respect.
4: <clears throat> oh yeah, so then it sort of looks like everything else. But I do I I like the the the, the updated version of the um, that Wagoneer grill. Um, it's not overbearing. It's not a you know, a giant pickup truck grill, which I don't know why people insist on having essentially billboards in the front of their car now, but whatever, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Um,
3: <clears throat> you could rent that space. That's what it I know, is. It's is a like, potential, <laughs> potential income opportunity. It is. Yeah. They're like, Oh, what do you got
4: afford? Ford? Oh, you know what? You ever think about, uh, advertising your dentist's office in the front of my, my truck? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it, you know, there's, there's definitely, it's definitely going after that, that escalade, um, look and feel and, you know, but you're going to have that sort of different, um, that different grill. So it's it, it sort of, you know, but if you look at all of them from the side, you're like, what is that? Is that, wait, which one is that? What's wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah the, Don't the do blue this. Gave... What I'm saying.
4: Don't like close one eye and then, and then put your hand over the front. Cause then you're like, Oh wait, hold on. It does have that little cutout, that little slight cutout in that rear, uh, that rear window. Um that very uh behind the uh what yeah. A B C pillar. <laughs> how many pillars are
3: <laughs> F pillar, G Pillar? <laughs> how many
4: pillars are on this puppy? <laughs> uh I ha- i I unfortunately I haven't had a chance to 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 get into the Wagoneer or the Grand Wagoneer um as of yet. So uh I do I, I did it have the Macintosh um, uh, this one did not have the system?
2: Macintosh audio; it had the base Alpine audio system. So, just a mere, a mere Alpine, Alpine, makes Alpine. A good audio system. Yeah, no, it sounded good, and it's not as
4: it's, uh, you know. I got Alpine in my Jaguar. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's, it's no Macintosh Labs, but you know, it'll do. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think the, I think the Macintosh. Uh, you have to go up to the Series Three to get the Macintosh. Uh, and the blue agave interior is only in the Grand Wagoneer, um, and that does uh, oh, okay. combine with oh, okay. an open pore wood uh, trim, uh, which I'm I'm personally in favor of. Uh, but
3: see, that's what you need. You need. Did you see that it was at the launch? That's yeah, the no, I, I drove one. Was, I drove one
2: with the blue agave interior. That's why I drove back man. into New York.
3: That was so pretty. Yeah, yeah.
2: That was there's going to be a lot of people picked up at the airport in these things. Is what I'm saying. And, and you know, if you have <laughs> if you have devices to charge, there are USB ports galore in this thing. There's there's four in the front, in the in the at the bottom of the center stack. There's two USB A's and two USB Cs. There's a couple more, another USB A and a C in the center console bin, uh, under your arm. There's four more in the second row. And I have to go back and check. I'm not sure if this one also has the third row. Uh, I know in, in some of them. Uh, and some trim levels you also get uh, additional USB ports in the third row as well so everybody can charge their stuff
4: if you're if you say your car will seat 7 there better there better be 7 USB ports at this point if you say your car will seat 5 there better be 5 USB ports that's that's where we're at right now as a society when you yeah. get into a car and like it seats 5 we got two USB ports in the front no no, Plus, that's not how things work anymore.
2: <laughs> Plus, there's also a Qi wireless charging pad in the bin at the at the front of the console, uh, so that if you're um, using, you know, you can just drop your phone on there and charge it that way, and which is nice if you're going to use wireless Android Auto or or Apple CarPlay, which supports both of those, uh, so you don't you don't have to mess around with a cable, uh, as long as your phone, of course, stays properly positioned, um, you know, at the optimum spot to actually stay continue charging, but. You know, that's, uh, that, that's not a Stellantis unique problem. That's, that's just a wireless charging issue.
4: It's just a cheat. Yeah, right. ours ours doesn't work in our Hyundai. It's, we we have to take it in and get it fixed. It's just never worked. My wife's like, what the hell? I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> we'll take it in when you don't have to go to. Yeah, it's just never turned on. We're just like moving things, taking cases off, sliding yeah. it around. I'm just like, all right, I got to take this back into this, this. But it's not a thing yeah. where we're like, oh, Maybe no. They forgot the chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they forgot the chip. They're like, oh no, uh, hold on, we gotta order a guy. We gotta guy. Go. <laughs> throw a raspberry pie in there. There you go. That's fine.
3: <laughs> it's working. No one will ever fine. know. It's good. It's good. Just, just yeah.
4: sticking out like
2: some sort of wacky Rick and Morty like thing. All right. So, eighty thousand dollar Grand Wagoneer Series Two, four x four. Very nice full size premium SUV. If if that's what you're what you're in the market for.
4: I did okay. a quick look of the gas station nearest my house. That's a Chevron because I typically only get gas at Chevron because I'm yes. fancy that way. And the mid-level, and this is California, Northern California, uh, mid-level uh, Chevron gas to fill this thing is like $118. <laughs> oh God! So you know that's why I have an EV. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, and that that is you know that is one of the potential advantages of going with. You know, the the options, you know, especially if you're if you are interested in fuel economy, um, the you know, the GM SUVs do offer a three liter diesel engine, which gets really good fuel economy and has lots and lots of torque. Um, And, you know, if you're going to be towing, that one's a great option. Um, That's something you can't get in the Wagoneer. They will be adding a plug in hybrid to the Wagoneer probably sometime in 2022. Um, and, you know, that should get significantly better fuel economy and, and also give you some uh, all electric driving range. But for now, um, that's that's probably the biggest downside of, of opting for the Wagoneer over its competition is the fuel economy.
1: yeah.
2: all right, Nicole, you were here in my yes. neck of the woods this week uh, for a few days to uh, drive a bunch of the vehicles that are eligible for the North American Car, Truck, and SUV of the Year awards, and uh, I was. And so, what were your what were your highlights of the vehicles you got to drive over a couple of days?
3: Um, it was nice to finally get behind the wheel of a couple of vehicles that might not be. Like wow, but just somehow I have never had the opportunity to drive them. Um, one of them I finally got to drive the Volkswagen ID. Four. I know you guys have all driven it. You're like whatevs. I have never even like seen the inside of that before, so it was really cool. Um, it was neat to get to drive that. Although I do have to fess up, I sat down. I'm like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm a jerk. I got this. <laughs> I know cars, and I cannot. That's what you. I think. cannot find how to. Sh- yeah. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm like, where, where's the gear shift? Cause I have not looked at the interior. Of this from i like, how do I change the gear where, and it's like sort of mounted to the infotainment. I mean, the instrument cluster, like there's a little thing, that little knob that you twist. But if you happen to have your seat positioned exactly right, that little knob is completely obscured by the steering wheel. So as you stare forward, you're like, I don't know how to put this in drive. And I literally am, like, doing, like, lean left, look down, (laughs) lean right. And I'm like, oh, there it is. (laughs) So, um, But I got a chance to drive that, which I know, not this, like, amazing, (gasps) mind-blowing car, but I was really excited to drive, and I really liked it. Um, And then I got two that are pretty cool. Uh, I got a chance to drive the Rivian R1T, and I got a chance to drive uh, Ye Olde Hummer. Uh, Ye Olde. Yeah. So those were two pretty neat things. And actually, the thing on the Hummer that was, there's some new features that they've come out with. I've never even driven a vehicle with Super Cruise before. Again, one of those things that somehow has just eluded me over the years. So I finally got to try out Super Cruise, which was kind of neat. Um, and it it does feel like when you're behind the wheel of the Hummer. It's funny. It doesn't, it's gigantic. Like when you see it, there is substance behind that vehicle. Um, but... Still kinda of fun to drive, but the one that you actually get a crack at too, Sam, was the Rivian R one T. So we both got a chance to drive that last week.
2: Yeah. Uh, what you did know, you I'm,
3: think of that? I'm
2: I'm not <coughs> on the jury, but I, I reached out to uh, to Rivian PR um, you know, to ask if I could, you know, get a little bit of time in it after the, the jurors were done and, and they said, Yeah, if you want to come out, you know, first thing tomorrow morning before the, the jurors start we can get you an hour in there. So I said, Okay, I will do that. And so I, I went out there. And I spent about an hour driving it with, uh, uh, with one of their engineers uh, sitting in the passenger seat. And I was overall really impressed with this thing. Um, you know, First thing to note, you know, we talk, I think we mentioned it before, is you know, this is not really a direct competitor to F-150, Silverado, Ram. It's, it's a smaller truck. It's, it's closer in size to the midsize trucks like the Ranger, Tacoma, mm-hmm. and Colorado. Um, that said there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you know i think for the vast majority of people that buy pickup trucks for personal use that's a far better size and you know even that is probably bigger than what most people really need but uh, i think that's a far more useful size for most people so i, I think that, that that part is really good um, you know you get in this thing you know it's it's not an inexpensive vehicle i think they start about like the base base version is like 67000 right now the launch editions are about 74, uh, which is what they're building initially. Um, you know, and you know, like the Wagoneer, it feels premium inside, which is, you know, one of the, mm-hmm. the knocks against Tesla for a long time, especially on the model S and X was at their price points. They didn't really feel like premium luxury vehicles. Um, you know, the materials, you know, kind of felt kind of cheap. You know, there wasn't a lot of stuff in there. Um, this really feels like a more premium vehicle. Uh, you know, it's got nice wood vegan veneers, leathers. It's no, vegan leathers. Um, so There's no no animal hides um, in here. No animal uh, hides. Everything seemed really, um, well, put everything seemed really well put together. The fit <coughs> and finish and solid and looked uh, really on solid. This thing. Uh, on uh, this thing. You know, driving it, uh, you uh, know, it feels. It it feels um, you know, very it solid, feels, you, know, feels no very solid. Rattles, you know there were which, no squeaks and rattles you know granted when you they're know, preparing granted, vehicles for, an event, preparing like this, vehicles for you know, an event like this you know they're going to go over it with a, fine, know, tooth so go we'll go what, a fine tooth comb, comb. So, so we'll, we'll see what actual production production vehicles, to be vehicles fair, are like
3: and it's to its credit of the vehicles that i drove um and it was like we had like a day and a half that i basically spent driving these cars you could take them out for however long you wanted um i had three that had scary bumps and rattles like the one that i took back i'm like yeah so it's doing this thing i don't think it's I was supposed to be doing so i'm sure they all think they went over it but the fact that Rivian's as they did and it, it didn't have any of those like gold star yeah.
2: no absolutely um <laughs> uh, you know so you know i think it's it's a good size um but there are some things to to be aware of um you know it certainly has lots of power you know four motors 800 plus horsepower um You know, just before I went for my drive, you know, half hour before we'd have we'd had a, you know, big thunderstorm came through. You know, so the roads are still pretty damp. So I didn't take full advantage of of that power. But you know, this thing feels quick. Um, But it's also fairly hefty. You know, I asked the engineer how much you know what the weight was. He said, you know, seven thousand pounds, which for a midsize truck. You know, we've complained about the the Hummer before, the nine thousand pounds. This is more than that was more than I was expecting this thing to weigh because the the F one fifty Lightning they've said the curb weight of that is only sixty five hundred pounds, and that's a significantly larger truck. Um, but it, you know, it's quick, and you know, I thought the handling was really good, the ride quality was really good. It's standard with um, uh, an air suspension system uh, on all four corners. Um, there there was. Uh, something interesting that I learned about this, which is that you know, they've got four motors, one tied to each wheel. The rear motors are, actually have clutches um, bes- between the, the motor and the, the half-shafts, so they can actually decouple the rear wheels from the motors. So that when you're just cruising down the highway you know, or driving at moderate speeds, uh, you know, it's, it'll be in two-wheel drive, and it's not dragging the motors along. So, you're not getting, so it's going to be more efficient that way by decoupling everything at the rear so and it actually becomes a front wheel drive truck in that situation which is fine because you know the front wheels are where you're also where you're going to get most of your regen from um, when you lift off the accelerator and so that that's a that's a good solution uh, for that case for that use case um, there there was an issue that I think you also experienced you know with because the you can um, Change the mode and raise change change the ride height of the thing. Get up to 14 inches of ground clearance. Uh, the engineer changed the mode one time. Put it in sport mode. It wouldn't switch back to other you know to the other modes. So it got stuck. Not clear if that was a a mechanical or a software problem. Um, also,
3: yeah, I did have exactly the same. It was exactly the same situation. The exact same process that had us had a little trouble as well.
2: Yeah, um, on the Rivian website uh, right now. Um, if you look at the, the features on there, um, one of the things, I'm reading this verbatim, Rivian Driver Plus is standard on every vehicle we build, delivering true hands-free driving assistance along with our a full set of safety features. The system is continually updated, adds functionality through over-the-air updates. It does not have hands-free functionality right now. It will at some point, probably, um, but right now it doesn't. But, you know, I mean they, they have gone further than uh, certainly another uh, notable EV maker in terms of the, the sensor suite that they included in there, um, which is, you know, it's got 10 cameras on the outside. It has an infrared driver monitor camera on the inside got five radars, got ultrasonic sensors. So it should be capable of providing cruise like functionality at some point in the future via an over-the-air update. But it's not there at launch. It's it's very much a hands-on system right now. That said, worked fine. Uh, you know, did it, you know, even on, you know, damp road, and it was still relatively dark when we headed out. Uh, you know, it, it seemed to be able to track the lane lines uh, quite well. Um, didn't really have any issues there. Uh, so, that that was all good. Um, yeah, you know, the other thing to keep in mind: the front trunk. Uh, it's got an 11 cubic foot front trunk, which is a little bit smaller than the F-150, but still, you know, it's a good size. Um, and but the the grill area. There's not uh, actually any grill there, but unlike the F-150 and also the Hummer, uh, the grill is not attached to the hood, so you have a fairly high liftover height to put stuff in there. Um, as opposed to you know having you know just above from the bumper up being open, um, but the gear tunnel is so cool. Uh, you know having that is that, such
3: a neat feature. The way in the just to have storage that goes left to right across a vehicle is just yeah. funky. You
2: yeah, uninterrupted all the way across. Uh, so that it's that's really cool. cool. Uh, and you can all you know unlike most EVs, you can get this with a full size spare tire that sits in the compartment underneath the 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 floor the bed floor so it's above the battery and the motors but underneath the bed floor um so you know if you don't have the full-size spare you can use that as another i think 14 cubic feet of cargo space a lockable cargo space but yeah um you know or you can have the full-size spare which if you're going to be off-roading is probably a good thing to take with you so Mm -hmm. I, i thought it was i thought it was really good
3: I did. I, I had much the same feeling. I thought that it was it was a good vehicle. I was sort of pleasantly surprised. I don't know quite what I was expecting, but um, you know, truly the only problem we had was that suspension issue that you and I both had. And given that we drove the exactly the same vehicle, did you drive it could the have blue one? Problem with that specific. Um,
2: they had a blue one and a green one.
3: Oh no! Wait, maybe we didn't drive the same one. Did I drive the blue one? Now I'm trying to remember. Maybe we didn't okay. did you, did maybe it's you just an...
4: did you put it on the instagrams
3: I didn't put on the instagrams of course uh... I didn't because now I need to remember which color I drove. Um, I remember the cars I drove I just remember every color there were a lot of vehicles at this um, so maybe we didn't drive the same one but still yeah that was the only problem that I'd um, that I ran into but overall I the same thing I was you know it's I, and I like that the interior I, I like that the there's a fine line between having a very clean, very minimalist, very simplified interior that doesn't just look like, yeah, we saved a ton of money on this thing. Like there's that's that's hard to make it look good without making it look like you just cheaped out. And they did a good job of making it look good. The 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 design of it and where they choose where and how they use the various materials. It's very streamlined, very. It makes me think like Scandinavian, you know, like <laughs> a Volvo. There's not a lot of flash happening in there. But it doesn't look like there's not a lot of flash because it's cheap. It looks like, no, we just don't need that flash. You don't need all this in this car. It's just a nice, quality, attractive interior. And I did like that. I thought it was, yeah. So
2: overall, yeah. And there's still a turn signal stock and a stock for the transmission shift as well. So, you know, as, as it should be. Um, and there's a few other buttons here. Yeah, I there.
3: didn't have to look around for 20 minutes to figure out how to put the car <laughs> and drive. That's yeah. always a bonus.
2: <laughs> how do I do this? And, and, Robbie, you should be getting one of these. Uh, Tanya said you should – I think you're going to be getting one in a few weeks. So um, hopefully you'll have a little yeah,
4: bit more time. Yeah, yeah, I should be – I'm, I'm going to try to take it off the roads and um, hopefully nice. put it back in the sports modes and uh, put things in the – I don't know. I I, I have a – well, I don't think any of the surfboards will fit in there. Snowboard. I'll throw some snowboards in that little tunnel and see how that works out. And There you go. Yeah, throw the you dogs in the, the back. You can hang the surfboards I was back. I I feel back like it's the bed. kind
3: of thing – yeah, there should be a video of a dog just running through the tunnel from one end to the other, like the agility <laughs> courses they do. Just oh, like, woof, I got a dog just, who just see you need him just whoof and see him shooting out one side of the car. Yeah, I have
4: a dog. <laughs> she just ate a remote control. That's where. I Oh, uh, nice. Uh, just now. So she's so, gonna
3: have a fun time later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: So she well, she doesn't actually just she just crunches it up, destroys so she,
3: it, completely it's, ruins it's, it. it.
4: It's the it's the remote. Yeah. Anyway, but she'll fit. I think she'll fit in that little tunnel.
3: You should see him. She'll scooch through the tunnel. little video of doggo going through. Scooch, 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 scooch,
4: scooch, 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 scooch. <laughs> So what are you going to do with our car, d- car? Well, see, I have this dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, he's what? just going to
3: scooch through the tunnel, and scooch, that's scooch, my whole scooch, plan. scooch, scooch, things,
2: scooch. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right. Let's see. What else? Um, did you have any other highlights from uh, from the Nactoy Drive that you wanted to share before we move on?
3: Um, the only thing that was really good, the, the, the Hummer that, um, I want to call it crab control. It's not called crab, crab, crab walk, ca-
2: crab, uh, crab
3: this like,
2: yeah, what is it? Crab, crab, crawl? crab crawl, crab the crawl, sideways That's driving
3: it. thing. Yeah. Crab cr- Crab yeah, call, the cr- sort of sideways <laughs> driving thing. So first of all, to see it in person, it totally looks like the, the truck is just sliding. So every five year being wants to go, Oh no, it's sliding like on the ice or something in the oh, winter. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you'll see like a car has its wheels turned <laughs> clearly. And it's like, no, cars don't move that way. You know? <laughs> uh, so it's a little bit freaky to see it. Um, it's even freakier inside when you realize that you're moving that way, but yet, you're not out of control because the winter driver in me wants to say, oh, Lord, I'm on the ice. It's not going – it's very freaky. But it's very cool. It does let you turn that thing around in this incredibly tight spots. I feel like that would be my favorite feature, trying to parallel park a car that large. Oh, yeah. So,
2: that, it's, it's, when, yeah. Um, when you're – if you're turning, like you're maneuvering in a parking lot, you know normally the crab, the crab crawl – feature steers all four wheels in the same direction but if you're maneuvering in a parking lot does it counter steer the wheels so that the the fronts and the rears are facing opposite directions so you get that tighter turning circle
3: i never you know what i don't remember seeing it counter steer the wheels that's a good question i'd have to ask about that but like when i was watching it make the very tight turn it was just because it points everything in the same direction you're instead of going you're not really turning. You're just literally moving.
2: Yeah, if you're parallel parking, really you want them all going in the it. same direction. But if you're going to perpendicular, park, yeah. you want well, them to go but off. But
3: I turned. I turned in a. We were in the the parking lot of where we were driving these, and I took a very tight turn. And the little crab crawly thing does. It still takes you very. It's. I don't remember seeing it counter steer, but it 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 still does. It will turn you, and you do turn, but it just uses a little bit of that. So you're turning a little bit more tightly. I mm-hmm. guess is how to describe it, but. It was pretty cool. All right. Crab crawl. So, curb crawl. Uh,
2: so, <clears throat> continuing with uh, electric vehicles for a moment, um, Tesla announced their uh, third quarter earnings uh, the other day. Uh, they made a bunch of money, uh, which is good for them. Uh, interesting thing, though. Uh, out of Thank that, that was uh, they announced that going forward they are going to switch to using uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries uh, cr- globally on all their standard range models. Um, so right now, up, up to this point in North America and Europe, they've used uh, nickel cobalt aluminum chemistries for their, for their batteries, uh, for everything, uh, for the standard range and the extended range models. Um, In China, they have been, since they started production in China for the Chinese market vehicles, they've used uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries, which um, iron phosphate, you know, compared to the nickel-based batteries, iron phosphate is a lot cheaper, um, and it's also a lot more durable, uh, but it has less energy density than nickel chemistry, so you get about roughly 40% less capacity. From a similarly sized iron phosphate battery than you do from a nickel battery, but it's it's durable and so you can get you know, a couple, you know upwards of two thousand charge cycles out of it versus about seven or eight hundred from a nickel battery. And when uh, back at their EV day last or their battery day last year, you know Tesla alluded to the fact that they were going to probably shift to using the nick or using iron batteries for their Low entry level models, um, and um, they also, you know, they've also talked about the you know, idea of having a million mile battery. And when they talk about million mile batteries, this is what they're talking about: is the the iron phosphate batteries. You know, they've they've been used in the past, and particularly in China for low end EVs, um, if, you know, for lower shorter range EVs that are lower cost because uh, they they cost a lot less than nickel batteries, um, and they're going to start using those globally for the the standard range models, um, so the ones that get you know two hundred thirty, two hundred and forty miles. Uh, any thoughts on on this on on this switch for them? We need inexpensive EVs. That's, I mean, that really comes
4: down to it. If if you can get two fifty, two thirty, two forty, um, and you can get it down in the in the, in the twenty thousands before any sort of weird. Uh, tax incentive, whether it be federal or state or local or whatever, we need cheap EVs. And if this is how they do it, and they can still like you know give that 250-ish range that everyone sort of has sort of like come to the agreement that like yeah that's good enough, um, then yeah more power to them.
3: Yeah, I was scanning through that story, Sam. How much is it? Say like how how much of a percentage reduction you're going to get in range, like on average, compared to comparable.
2: Well, what, you know? what, you'll, what you'll get is... Is it
3: significant? W-
2: what you'll get right now is um, you'll actually get about the same range. So I think the standard range plus okay. Model 3, yeah, the standard range plus Model 3 is rated at 262 miles. So you'll probably get, you know, somewhere between 240 and 260, um, you know, for with the iron battery. But... Because it has less energy density, like right now, if you buy the standard range Model 3, you actually get a smaller battery. It's got fewer cells in it, so it's a little bit lighter than the extended range model. With the, the iron battery, it's going to get that range, it's going to have a bigger battery. So it's going to be closer in weight to the, um, to the, the extended range battery, uh, which means you might give up a little bit of performance, a little bit of acceleration performance. Um, the other thing with iron batteries is they also don't perform as well in cold weather. So if you live somewhere like New Hampshire or Massachusetts or mm-hmm. Michigan and you've got cold winters and you're thinking about buying one of these, you might want to stick with the extended range models uh, that um, that get you a little bit better um, uh, range in cold weather conditions than what you're going to get with an iron battery. But otherwise, you know, the – Iron batteries are are great. You know, like I said for durability, for safety, they're a lot more stable. You know, you can take a, a lithium iron phosphate cell and stick a, a nail through it, and you know, it's not going to have a thermal runaway the the way a nickel battery does. Um, so, you know, it has advantages and disadvantages. So, depending on your circumstances, you you might want to you might prefer uh, the iron battery.
3: I think I'm with. Uh... Roberto, on this, if they can make it more, if they can make it cheaper and more affordable, and help bring down prices overall, that's that's a good thing. Even in the end, even if we're going to be losing a little bit of of range, especially uh, you know where it's cold, because you got to make some of these you know vehicles a little bit more affordable and a little bit more mainstream. I know they're mainstream, but they're not really. You know, yeah. um, not enough people are buying into it yet. Even though we're not, people aren't afraid of them, I guess. But um, yeah, if, to make it more affordable and more attainable for more people. I think that's a good thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, and if it, if it gets other people to like sort of push them to make, you know, because I know Volkswagen's yeah. really trying to get something in the twenty thousand twenty thousand yeah. range, and so you know, between the and two that's, of them, if that's they can probably get everyone else better sort of in there.
2: Um, yeah. You know, other other yeah. automakers have also talked about their plans to incorporate iron batteries for entry level models. Uh, in the case of Tesla, I don't expect that they're going to lower the price because, uh, in fact, just this week they actually raised the price on all their on the Model Three and the Model <laughs> Y. Uh, so the standard range Model Three uh, rear wheel drive now starts at forty four thousand uh, dollars before delivery. Uh, it uh, went up about how uh, much
3: was how four, much of an increase was that?
2: Uh, it was about four thousand dollars. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's not that affordable. Um, ho- you know, hopefully, you know, maybe when they do launch the, the iron one, um, uh, it'll be a little, you know, they'll drop the price back down again. I mean, Tesla often raises and lowers their prices, you know, on a whim. Uh, so maybe we'll see them lower the price again when they, when they start doing the iron batteries. But for, for now they, they have just raised the prices. Um, so we'll see, uh. The let's see what else, yeah. Uh, I think that's yeah, that's it. Um, okay, Noth- nothing else on that one. Um, let's see. Uh, the reason I drove to Indianapolis yesterday uh, was to attend the Indie Autonomous Challenge, which is a student design program. This, there's a, a bunch of different, um, you know, design competitions for engineering students. Um, you know, there's things like formula SAE formula, you know, uh, SAE Baja program. There's, there's one that they do with, uh, electric snowmobiles. They do all kinds of different stuff. The, the India autonomous challenge was announced about two years ago. Um, uh, the goal with this one is to build, uh, a self-driving race car. Uh, they, um, what they did was they used um, Indy Lights cars, which are uh, based on the Dallara IL-15. Uh, and they have equipped them with a bunch of sensors and compute and the actuators necessary to steer the thing. And they gave them to a bunch of uh, university um, teams of engineering students uh, to develop the software for these. And they did the competition yesterday at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, of the nine teams that made it to the final... Um, four actually completed the challenge, um, and the top three of those went on to the final shootout. Um, just for reference, um, in Indy Lights, uh, they don't currently race the Indy Lights cars on the Indianapolis Oval, but and when they did in the past, um, average time, average speeds on the lap times were about 195 miles an hour. The fastest car yesterday, um, hit about 155 miles an hour on the, the front straight mm. uh, which is pretty good um, and they, they, yeah. they averaged uh, the average speed over two timed hot laps uh, was about 135 miles an hour uh, for the, the winning team which is pretty impressive uh, there were a few spins a few crashes um, the team from MIT uh, that their car went out uh, went out of the pits, and um, on the the warm-up lap coming around turn four at Indy uh, about to take its first hot lap um, it suddenly made a left-hand turn uh, right into the inside pit wall and crunch the left front, cor- left front corner. Um,
3: I, I feel sometimes something that happens. Like, clearly, there's like a catastrophic failure. You know, these teams were working so hard in this for so long. And it's like, oh, he didn't even get out of the gate, essentially.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the teams didn't actually get access to the cars until about. Uh, Two months ago, the MIT team, I think, actually only got theirs about six weeks ago uh, from the conversation I had with their team captain. So they didn't have a lot of time with the cars. Most of the work they did was in simulation. Uh, But over the last several weeks, they've spent multiple days uh, at Indy and at uh, uh, Lucas Oil Speedway in Indianapolis, a smaller track, uh, trying to fine-tune these things. And, you know, they were – considering what they were trying to do, the speeds they were running – it was fairly impressive, but there's clearly still a lot of work to do. But I'm curious, you know, are either of you interested at all in racing? And if you're interested in racing, are you interested at all in autonomous race cars?
3: I am not someone who follows racing as a rule, but I do think the idea of having autonomous cars racing is, is – uh... It's totally different than having a, you know, a a driver in the car, but there's still someone presumably at this point monitoring things and making sure it's, it's, it's more technology thing instead of a feats of skill thing on the part of a driver. I think it's kind of cool.
4: I, um, the only racing I actually follow is that Netflix series about F1 and that's it that's i really don't i i i I've, I've never been able to just watch sports or care about sports uh I, i've tried i tried to care about sports but i just don't i don't i can sympathize i, did, I that. did my best i don't care i don't care about football i don't care about basketball i don't care about racing i don't i like doing things if someone hey let's go play some basketball i'm like yeah but I'm not gonna go and do that. Um, but I like
3: going to things where there's sports-related nibbles. If there's, like, <laughs> come to my football party, there's going to be dip and nachos. In, so that's yeah, like that yeah, that's.
4: Mm. I've been to a Formula E race and that was kind of fun, but I'm yeah, not gonna. I'm not once. gonna. It's fun to like be at a place and like I've been to baseball games and basketball. It's fun to be at those things, but mm-hmm. I, I have no. I don't care who wins. I just like kind of like people watching and just sort of the spectacle and, and the enjoyment. Um, that said, with when if it was autonomous racing, I feel like it would just be like watching the video game like cutscene of like like Forza or Gran Turismo. Yeah. they were just like, all right, well, the, all these things know the track. They okay. <laughs> 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 i guess you just turn up the aggression there's like a little like dial you're like oh i'll be more aggressive on this one i'll turn it down a little bit because you're using up all the tires at some point it becomes this, this like very this this math problem as it determines you know oh well the heat is this and the sun is in this direction and the wind is blowing this way and the tires are this and that's kind of racing anyway but you still have the human element i, I think once you throw in just okay now the robot knows all this too you're just like mm, okay yeah, but a
3: human had to program the robot.
2: I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, to, to me, you know, clearly, uh, I've not as, convinced as, you. As, as, some, as someone that likes, you know, racing, you know, I like to watch, you know, the drivers get out there and show their skills behind the wheel. Um, yeah, and there's, there's obviously you know there's a technology element associated with that, with the with building the cars, uh, but you know, ultimately. You know, the the driver you know is in control of the car. He's a human driver that you know has got to find the best line and not make mistakes and not crash and things like that. And the you know as as an engineer, I you know I like the idea of something like this. You know as a competition for engineering students, as a way to hone their skills and develop their skills, developing the software and and the, the hardware and everything. I think it's great for for a, a student engineering competition, but as something for uh, you know as a sport, I have absolutely zero interest in autonomous race cars. Like there's out in Sonoma <laughs> by, by you, Robbie, there's the you know they, they do the annual um, self-driving race cars thing at, at uh, Sonoma Raceway every year. I just have <laughs> zero interest in watching autonomous race cars from a motorsport perspective. Just, uh, I'm purely yeah. interested in it from a from an engineering perspective, you know, as as a way to train engineers. Uh, I like I like that part of it, but uh, but it was yeah. a fun as day. As a nerd, though. you're like, ooh, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, all right, um, let's move on. Let's wrap up with a few listener questions uh, that we got uh first up uh patrick kerrigan uh how soon will we see a hybrid get 100 miles per gallon <sighs> um uh, well it's actually been I'm, done uh, um it's... remember the the volvo or not the volvo the volkswagen um was it the xl2 that that uh, that two seater that they built a few years back uh, uh it was a little teardrop-shaped thing, a tiny little car, uh, and it had a, I think, a two-cylinder diesel engine and a hybrid, and it actually got something like 215 miles per gallon. Um, yeah, you know, realistically, so there you go. You know, you can you can do it. Uh, you know, for something that people Who's are actually going to it? want to drive, something that more than a hundred people are going to want to buy. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, it's not. You know, it's not really that practical, and the reality is once you get past about 40 miles per gallon, the actual amount of fuel you save, it's it's diminishing returns. If you look at it in terms of fuel consumption, how many gallons per mile or gallons per 100 miles you're using, the, the, the improvements, the reductions in actual fuel consumption – Start, you get diminishing returns. And so the difference between something that gets 50 miles per gallon and something that gets 100 miles per gallon is actually starts to get vanishingly small. Um, So, you know, Mm -hmm. 40 to 50 miles per gallon is kind of the sweet spot for hybrids. Uh, And I think, you know, that's what we're going to see, you know, most of the hybrids kind of aiming for over the the next few years, um, at least until they get replaced by EVs.
4: Yeah, I think that the bigger thing is, like, how many miles can you drive in EV mode? Because I think for the most part, when we're driving, like, doing our daily errands, if you can cover all Mm. that in EV mode, then you're like, all right, I'm golden. You just plug it in at night. You're ready to go. Um, And then when you get on the freeway, I mean, that's going to give you some of that until you go those 30, 40, 50 miles. And then you're like, well, I'm just running on gas now. I think, yeah, I think that the, the the better metric is how many miles can I ride driving this thing in EV mode in my daily sort of errandy, you know, going to work, going to the store, picking up the kids, dropping off the dogs, et cetera, type of life. That's that's where you're, you're, you're really sort of like, oh, well, I'm not using any gas. My brother um, used to commute to work and then COVID happened. So he worked from home and he has a Chevy Volt with a V. And he, mm-hmm. he um, at one point the car told him you can't use electric anymore because you haven't used the gas in the last like year. And so he had to run through the the gas wow. tank because he just hadn't been using any gas in his just daily life because he'd been working from home. And so he had to like run through all the gas and then go buy new gas. And then, then he could go back to, to, to not using gas apparently. Yeah.
2: They wow. had, they had, they had a, a mode in there, a maintenance mode, uh, because, you know if you've ever had any gas powered devices a generator or lawnmower or anything else where you leave it sitting for an extended period of time the gas gets oxygenated and you know it doesn't work properly anymore um, and so you know the the volt uh, it it was designed to basically run through a tank of a, a tank of gas over the course of about a year so periodically it would start up the engine even if you're fully charged Every f- few weeks, it would start the engine and run it for a little bit to use up some of that gas, um, to kind of force you to go through about a tank of gas a year, uh, which you know it's only a nine-gallon tank in that thing, so it wasn't using a whole lot of gas, but just enough to make sure that the gas was actually still in in good condition. Uh, wow. Yeah. 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 You got to put if
4: you have a motorcycle and you like store it, you're supposed to put you have to put stabilizer in yeah. it, and the same thing with yeah. Especially for anyone yeah, they, who rides it, motorcycles, especially in the winter months, you got to pour some stuff
2: in there. Yeah, and, and GM didn't want owners to have to put stabilizer in the Volt, which is why they designed it to, to behave that way. Uh, oh, the, the car I was thinking of, the, the hybrid I was thinking of, was the, the VW XL1, uh, which was good for... Uh, it actually was able to get 283 miles per gallon on the European driving cycle, uh, which is pretty impressive. Ooh. But wow. the, my, my, fa- my favorite version of it um, was they, they actually built one... Um, that wasn't a hybrid, that had a Ducati motorcycle engine in it. Uh, I saw that at the Peterson Museum a few years ago. Oh, wow. And uh, that was a nice. 197 horsepower, 11,000 RPM uh, Ducati engine in there, wow. uh, which would have been a, a <laughs> probably a hoot to drive.
4: Those motorcycle engines are so powerful now.
2: It's know, that's kind of terrifying
4: when you think about when you think about new riders. Are like, here you go. Here's double the power that anyone in the '80s had on yep. your in in their sport bikes in a new entry level
2: bike. Have fun. You're like, <laughs> ah. All right. Uh, next question uh, from Bryn Berenhausen uh, was uh, a crew. Uh, the base Maverick Ford Maverick doesn't have basic cruise control. That's absurd. That should be a feature on every new car today. Um, come on, Ford, what's up? So, yeah, pricing. If, you, if yeah, if you if you get there, if you get a, a, a Maverick XL, it does not have cruise control, which is kind of ridiculous because unlike the old days, you know when they added cruise control, you actually <laughs> Back had in the have, olden days, yeah, you actually had to had have an actuator that would you know pull on the throttle cable and you know do all that stuff, you know, so it was actually adding more hardware to enable cruise control on those vehicles. Um, and there was a cost associated with it. On modern vehicles, mm-hmm. they all have bywire wire throttle uh, and, and braking. So everything is there. The only thing that's actually missing is the switch on the steering wheel to enable the cruise control. And you know, if you step up to an XLT Maverick, you do get cruise control. And uh, you know, I think that this is basically you know Ford's way of saying, you know, you can buy a Maverick for twenty grand, but you know it's kind of a bait and switch. What you really want is the XLT because it's got these couple of extra features, and you know, granted, it's it's only a couple thousand dollars more. Uh, so it's, it's still very affordable I and mean, you can get an XLT Over
4: the course of a few years. That's only, yeah. and then, you know, you're in the, you're in the financing guy's uh, office and he's like over the course of a few years, you know, you're only going to be paying like what, like $20 extra a month. It's totally yeah. worth $20 extra a month to have all these extra things. You're like, I think he's got a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I've had cars with just regular cruise control and I never use cruise control. Just regu- I never
3: use cruise control. I never I'll i never use,
4: use I use adaptive cruise control if it's in the car, but I don't use cruise control. I've had it do
3: I am not a cruise control because person because it's just sort of I'm just going to drive into something. I just don't.
4: Yeah, adaptive cruise yeah. control yes, regular cruise control Nah. I remember my '90 Honda Civic though. When you use cruise control, you could feel the accelerator pedal yeah. like moving. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yep. this is cool. Oh,
3: jeez, really? It was really yeah.
4: cool. And then I would just turn it off because I'm like, I'm I don't trust this. I'm just gonna run into the back of something
2: because I sneezed or whatever. I'm gonna run yeah. into the back. <laughs> well, back yeah. when I when I was in college, when I was driving an '84 S15, and this was in the, the late '80s, um, you know, that the one the truck I had had none of that stuff on there, and I actually got an aftermarket cruise control system and installed it on there. Because, you know, I was every couple of months, I was driving back and forth between Flint, Michigan and my home in Ontario. Um, And so I was doing a lot of long, boring highway drives where there wasn't much traffic. And the cruise control was great for that. You know, I do prefer adaptive cruise control now, but it was great to be able to use cruise control back in those days. So it was a worthwhile investment for me.
4: Did did you get it from the J.C. Whitney catalog? Did, um, that, did you get the?
2: the no, that that you know, I JC did not Whitney get the JC Whitney catalog. I, I did was, have a couple of other things that I installed <laughs> from the JC Whitney catalog on that truck, but uh, I I bought that somewhere else. I can't remember where I got it from.
4: Okay. I love that uh, catalog because everything seemed really cheap and kind of
2: terrifying. I'm like, I don't know yeah. if I should. <laughs> it was yeah. Most, should most I try of the, this? Most well, of the stuff happen. out of there, out of there was was pretty bad. You know, it was it was kind of the modern equivalent of that today would be buying accessories for your car from Alibaba. Um, you know. Or,
4: yeah, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, was, it was just like <laughs> uh, some random dude made it at his house. <laughs> yeah. Like okay. Built in some back alley. <laughs> it together Gen Gen. in the
3: basement. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. J. All C. Right. Whitney makes a uh, Harbor Freight look like Snap-on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think they've been out of business for a long time, haven't they? Didn't they go out of business in the 90s? Oh, I think 90s? so. Yeah. That's a bummer. Anyway, uh, what, last question. What is your preferred steering wheel style, uh, and which manufacturer do you think does them best? I prefer ones that, where there's a place to rest your hand at the bottom, like the new Hyundai style, as opposed to the three-point wheel, uh, like my Teslas or Toyotas.
3: I don't drive with my hand resting at the bottom of the steering wheel because my dad yelled at me so badly once when I was 16 for driving that way and not having proper hand position in the car that I still to this day I'm like oh god sorry and he's not even with us anymore and I still can't drive still with there. my hand resting at the bottom of the wheel. I don't know if I so it doesn't matter to me whether there's a spot at the bottom. Um, I don't know if they have a favorite style of drive of wheel.
4: I don't like that. No. Know. I know I don't like the was it Alcantara whatever that. That stuff. I, that's, I hate that there's on a standard. The Alcantara. Alcantara.
3: There's and there's there's but uh. there's like Alcantara, which I don't mind because it's like fuzzy. But there's uh. some that feel like, I don't think it's Alcantara. It's like foamy. Oh it's
4: like almost no. Like fo- I no.
3: don't know
4: what that one is. I don't like that one. No, I don't. I it's don't different. want. I don't want my steering wheel to feel like slimy. Like I'm petting a <laughs> chinchilla or something. That's what the uh,
3: chinchillas are fuzzy. Okay. Why well, you want a fuzzy steering wheel? That's not.
4: That's not where I want fuzzy. I want. I want to. Yeah. No. No. I don't. I, you know. I. I. I am. I am. Uh, notorious like nine and three or two and ten. That's like, just me driving. Every once in a while, I'll have like one hand, like using my right hand, down at like. What is it what, three, four, four, five, or something like that? Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I just as long as like my hands fit, it's not too. <laughs> yeah, there's. I, I think steering wheels are very such a such a very like individual person because it's it depends on how you drive, it's like how a you sit. Yeah, it's like a like yeah like my like a seat that I find comfortable. Like other people don't find comfortable. It's the Same thing with steering wheels. Um, for the most part, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I like steering wheels without a lot of. Uh, as a, as a regular person, I like steering wheels without anything on them. It's just the steering wheel. You don't have like a bunch of buttons and crap. But that's, you know, that's not where the world is going. So we have a bunch of buttons and crap. So I, th- I think oh, I can't... I'm
3: definitely not a fan of the buttons when there's too many buttons. I don't like I like
4: the Volvo I... setup, or like, here you go. You get these many buttons. This is what they do. That's it. Don't 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 ask for more. That's all you
3: get now just drive the darn just car.
4: Just drive the car as opposed to like trying to look and figure out what like what's the icon on that tiny little button. Oh, okay, I got it takes like, you know, a few weeks. But that, you know, an owner it's fine, but when you're when you're
2: when you're testing cars like for a week you're
4: like, "What the hell does this do?" That's
2: <laughs> like uh, on the wagon here. What's this? Yeah, I was I was trying to find the the voice control button cuz usually there's a separate button for voice control. You know, And it's usually got a little icon of, like, a profile of somebody's head with a couple of waves coming out of it, you know, indicating that they're speaking.
4: He's got Wi-Fi and, coming out of his mouth.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm looking around for a couple of days trying to find it. Finally, I gave up, and I looked in the manual, and I realized that it's actually the same button that, You know, that is the, um, the, the button for picking up the, when you get a phone call with the, the green handset icon on there. Oh, and next to the green yeah. handset icon mm-hmm. was a little green microphone icon. So if you're picking up a uh-huh. call, you press this button on the left-hand steering wheel, or if you just want to issue a voice command, you press the same button. And uh, it, it, you know, I I would not have figured that out if I hadn't actually looked in the man and got frustrated and looked in the manual. But to to okay, let me ask you one more thing: circular or flat bottom? Um. It depends flat on the bottom. car. I mean, if it's just a big SUV, it
4: doesn't matter. Who cares? It's I'm, I'm, my knee's not kidding that uh, any sort of sp- sporty anything. I like. I do like a flat bottom, um, just because it gives me a little like, little more space. Because again, when like you're tall, when you're tall and you're like taking up all the space in a tiny little car that's going fast, you want a, as much space as possible. Yeah. Uh, I like I,
3: the flat bottom steering wheel because i just feel i just want the extra you don't need all the x i want the clearance i like the extra space i just prefer yeah flat okay. bottom steering wheel
2: definitely not a so, yoke though i don't want a yoke no 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 <laughs> yokes not not in a road car i'm not- fl- i fl- f- a race car no. i'm not, not flying a i'm not flying a Cessna okay yeah i'm not <laughs> <laughs> sorry i i you know in in my miata i actually took out. I replaced the original equipment steering wheel with uh, a Momo competition wheel, which is a plain circular wheel with a nice thick rim. That's the thing I like is I like to have a nice thick rim so I can get a good grip on it. Um, I don't like yeah. really skinny steering wheel rims. Uh, as long as it's got a, a decent mm. grip to it, that's that's my main thing. And it's just a very basic three-spoke steering wheel, no buttons on it, um, You know, leather-wrapped. That's perfect. Yeah, it's 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 the ideal just, steering that, wheel.
4: That's why I have my BRZ. It's there's no there's no buttons on it. It's just leather, three spoke, yeah. big round wheel. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> yep. It. It's yeah. There's there's no there's no oh yeah. I change these things. I'm like nope nope. I'm driving. I don't I don't need. But again, I mean, and the rest of the world, everyone that's I, I, yeah, people want to do everything with their wheels now. We have 17 buttons on our steering wheel. (laughs) All the buttons. It's a command center. (laughs)
2: It's a command center. (laughs) All right. And that's it for this week. Thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, Talk to you guys next time.
0: Bye. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.